0: Welcome to the Herd Quitter Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lumen. On this show, we talk to farmers and ranchers who aren't afraid to think for themselves and do things a little bit differently. We hope these guests will challenge you to look at your farms and ranches in a new way and result in a more profitable and enjoyable business for you and your family. Welcome back to the Herd Quitter Podcast. Today's guest is Eric Barth, Farm Manager for Polyface Farms, uh, which if you aren't familiar with them, uh, that's the Joel Salatin's farm. And if you haven't heard of Joel Salatin, well, you'll just have to look him up. Uh, But Eric was introduced to me by a past Polyface intern and a friend of mine, and I'm really looking forward to talking to to him today and and learning all about him and his role at Polyface and their intern program. And so really, uh, I'm grateful. And Eric, thanks so much. And welcome to the Herd Quitter Podcast.
1: Hey, thank you, Jared excited to be with you
0: yeah no me too it's it's uh it's always fun to to talk to the you know I think I think a lot of people when they maybe think about polyface and stuff think of Joel Salatin and they probably would love to hear his perspective but I'm guessing from what I've seen and things he's probably on the road more than he's actually on the farm and especially in the a lot of the day-to-day operations and things and so to get to talk to you about what's all going on you know in the on the farm you know behind the scenes it's, it's something i've been looking forward to for a long time so I'm, I'm really grateful but maybe even before we get into the the farm and polyface talk about how you got there and what what your background yes. was and an upbringing to to lead to where you are today
1: sure that's uh that's a fun place to start <laughs> well i grew up second of a large family and my dad was raised on a farm in southern illinois and so the agricultural roots were there, but in my early days, dormant, we, we always loved going and helping grandpa out bale hay or work cows. It was a smaller operation. But as I got into my uh, early teens, I enjoyed working outside, doing some big gardens, and getting into landscaping. And it was through uh, one of my landscape clients that I heard about Polyface Farms and Joel Salatin, and started kind of looking up more and came across the first uh, DVD that they ever did is about a two-hour DVD that Polyface uh, put out, and it was all the different enterprises, forestry, pigs, cows, broilers, turkeys, and I watched that thing straight through, right? it was kind of a, a crazy situation where I found this DVD up in some Forgotten place of my dad's work attic and hmm. got a hold of that, watched that thing straight through and just set a fire off to learn more. And, and this guy just really had so much going that made sense. Um, having seen my grandfather's operation, my uncle was doing a lot of the, the equipment side of things, pretty conventional spraying and just the normal GMO seed and stuff. I just really gravitated to the sustainable practices, the care and thought about the animals as well as the land and doing it in a way that just you could enjoy and mm. um, you could see nature grow and, and heal itself and just be transformed. It just really, just really caught hold of me. So I, I, mm. This was 2008, and when I found out about the farm, I was past the, when I learned about the summer program and the 12-month stewardship uh, apprentice program, I was a little, it was past the application date, so 2009, Hmm. I decided I wanted to apply and see if I could come out for a year. I really wanted to see a year of, you know, the whole cycle of of the farm, and so I applied in 2009 and uh, by God's um, direction and grace, I got accepted to come out in fall of 2010 okay. um, for their apprenticeship slot that was opened up. We we do the 12-month apprenticeship program, and then we have the summer. We now call it a, a stewardship program, and when I applied, you could do either or. Now we have our apprentices coming out of our summer program, but before, before that, it was either or, so I wanted to see the 12-month, so I Got accepted, accepted to come out, and that was that was the start of things. I came out fall 2010. Really fell in love with it. Enjoyed the work. Enjoyed learning. Enjoyed the people. I hadn't been around livestock very much. Uh, a couple small animals and farm setting for friends of ours. Or a little hobby farm, but really that's that's how it that's how it got going. And here we are, 12 years later. A lot of changes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool. And do you think you were you were in landscaping? And you mentioned a client. Were you like an? Did you have your own landscaping business prior to going down this route? or?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, my brothers and I started something in two thousand fourteen, and we had a business going in the uh, Chicago suburbs, forty five mm-hmm. minutes outside of the city, and a nice area of the the county there. And so I was doing that full time before I came out to Polyface here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed learning so much there, and it and it kind of correlated with the farm work. I was outside working with my hands, mm-hmm. working with customers, working with uh, clients' needs and preferences. And uh, yeah. my mom loved to say that we were the brawn for the homeowner's <laughs> brain. Often they would be out there, <laughs> but not quite sure what they wanted to. Yeah. Accomplish, or they couldn't accomplish it physically themselves, but they wanted to be part of it. So, yeah, we kind of had a niche uh, for a long time. We stayed away from mowing, just mowing grass. We did, you know, custom, you know, flower bed work mm-hmm. and planting annuals, mm-hmm. and just a lot of odds and ends. Got into tree work, got some tree equipment, mm-hmm. did some mm-hmm. of that, and learned a lot. I I enjoyed the PR skills that I developed. I could really interact and, and work with folks, you know, 40 years, my senior and be really comfortable with it. So it was a very, very neat experience. And,
0: and And so you, you decided you wanted to, you had a business going in the Chicago suburb. It sounds like it was pretty good working with family and you left that to go to apprentice with Salatin farms or with polyface farms. What was, what was the draw, I guess, to leave what seemed like sounds like maybe a pretty good thing you had going that did kind of align with a lot of your 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 passions and things you enjoyed to uh, what was it about the farm and and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but that you know kind of mm-hmm. i guess as far as career path goes almost looks like a step backwards to some maybe
1: sure yeah i think a couple of the draws for me was an interest in agriculture i learned about the farm that was growing at the time there was land in the family that you know could possibly become available. My aunt and uncle had a, a 30 acre place and we weren't sure as they were aging, if they would want to downsize or move into town and if that might open up something. They were closer to my grandparents at the time. So I think I kind of went into it thinking, I want to test out this agricultural thing for 12 months and see what what I think about it, you know, what I enjoy about it. I always had thought I was going to stay in the service industry, Mm -hmm. you know, landscaping, or I did some construction as well. Never really thinking I would be drawn to something where you're producing a product. But I really, that shift really just was a, a strong Uh, pull when I got here and started producing good quality healthy meat and to see the excitement and impact it made for customers here at the farm and I didn't have to travel all over creation making my money you know it was happening in one place which was really cool and you could really see uh just a you could see a progress um on a piece of land or you could see the transition and progress and even the animals growing up themselves whereas on in the landscaping industry it's like you worked in someone in someone's yard in the morning went to someone else's yard in the afternoon and you're maybe back there next week but then maybe it's six weeks from now you just it was just a lot of checkerboard work if you will it was enjoyable i I loved i love making things look nice I'm kind of a big aesthetics guy. Aesthetics guy, which had to change quite a bit when I came to polyface, Just or <laughs> not change, but balance yeah. itself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I really enjoyed, you know, just doing a good job, making things look nice, and, and working outside. The agriculture was more also realizing that when tough times come, you know, making people's yard nice wasn't going to feed, you know, feed me, put mm-hmm. food on the table or... It wasn't going to provide uh, sustenance in any other way but cash and our sure. uh, monetary value. So, you know, if, the, if things are tough, you know, I, we, we try to learn from history. If something like the depression or, or whatever comes around, I think providing good, healthy food was a little bit more viable long term. And so that's kind of where, where it led me. My brother's continued on the business for several more years. And it was a great thing through our high school and college uh, days and then they've gone on to other things so it's it's hmm. kind of dissolved and fizzles out but it was a great experience for all of us yeah
0: cool uh, it sounds like it and in a way you kind of are still landscaping just in a different way and using livestock in a more natural system so it's kind of kind of neat and you're enjoying the work and everything too i, I love that oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i still awesome. get on my
1: zero turn here at the farm
0: <laughs> good that's good <laughs> oh man um well, well then let's, let's see, so you, you got in there. I, I want to say you said 2011 was when you actually started with Polyface. Yes.
1: Uh, 2010. 2010.
0: Okay. 2010. Yeah. Uh, talk about that, you know, briefly that, that first year, your experience there, um, you know, and, and how, how it went.
1: Absolutely. So I, I came really with open eyes and open mind. When I came, I joined the current apprentice at the time and we spent uh, the winter in about a 350-square-foot little cabin, <laughs> which was just a, a, a great time together. He was a, a cool guy. From,
0: oh, two of you in a 350-square-foot uh, cabin. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. Little okay.
1: kitchen, little bunk bed. there's It was impressive. like a bunkhouse. Fa- bunk it was really yeah. cool. <laughs>
0: That's cool.
1: And I was really, really fortunate to spend the winter with him as I got my feet under me and learned the, the ropes of the farm and how things operated. Mm-hmm. We just got into the winter feeding of cattle and when i came we were still finishing up the processing of the fall turkeys and getting the poop houses ready for our layers and other Mm -hmm. livestock that first year i tried to write down like journals every day what i was doing and what i was learning i worked with a team of mainly my fellow apprentice and other staff member that it was staying on after the summer uh, that summer 2010 and daniel salatin and and joel and we just you know did a lot of a lot of things were were new to me both the apprentice that i was with that was there before i got there he hadn't been through a a winter season either at the farm so we were both learn learning the winter ropes Mm -hmm. if you will and so that had it's stressful moments and hmm. it's uh, learning opportunities as well as it's real fun times. The fellowship in the evenings, you know, gets dark early. So it's just fun to hang out and uh, do music or play some games or just talk. It was, it was awesome and kind of a, like pinch me on the cheek moment when I would like be sitting there at the dinner table and enjoying conversations with Joel Salatin. And hmm. as the year progressed and I just realized how influential he was and what a platform he had in the sustainable ag industry. I, I counted it a real privilege to have had, especially that first year, such uh contact and intimate time with him and his family and learning from them. Yeah. So we came to spring and a lot, of, a lot of new things started rolling. I was joined by another apprentice and. My roommate moved on to his next adventure, and so both of us were new going through the summer. So that had its uh, challenges and and uh, new experiences for both of us, but we we made it through and the summer crew came. So there's a lot of newbies on the farm that spring of 2011.
0: And probably why it's led eventually to, like you said, where the apprentices now come out of the summer interns, so they all have experience and you're not running yes, with sir. a crew of, a crew yes. of rookies. <laughs>
1: we 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 make mistakes here but we try to learn from them so that was that was after a year or two of that we just saw some some kind of green lights or just directional lights to to, to change the program a little bit mm-hmm. and so now we have a little more overlap and it it really helps uh with the flow of our course and the teaching aspect as well so
0: and maybe I should ask, too, just for clarity, as you kind of talk about uh, all of the the work that you guys are doing and stuff, um, maybe summarize what all goes on at Polyface Farms as far as the enterprises and, and the scale, as much as you're willing to share, at least maybe then when you started and, and mm, maybe where, sure. where you are today, we yeah. can talk about as well. But just to give a little context to the summer work and why you need a crew, yeah. a lot of the people who probably listen to this are more family businesses with just large-scale commodity agriculture was just less labor and you're talking crews of people which is different than maybe a lot of folks listen to so
1: yes yes absolutely so the the farm operation when i came um consisted of uh basically two apprentices which are 12 months here for 12 months and the Salatin and family and then we had two or three um subcontractors working rental properties Mm -hmm. so they were typically folks that had gone through the program and then were stepping out on their own to run enterprises underneath the polyface umbrella Mm -hmm. so depending on what they brought to the table they may own their own animals and buy their own feed uh, poultry specifically or they might be just being paid for the labor and then get, get uh, paid when the birds are processed. So we had two or three subcontractors and the two apprentices and the South and family. when I came we had three four rental properties at the time and that was it. so we would go out to those renter, uh, the rental properties occasionally just to help with big animal moves or to bring in swap groups of animals uh, our pig our pig operation. They're out on pasture for, you know, four or five months and then they're up to slaughter weight. So we got to pull them in and send out a new uh, batch of piglets and poultry, same thing, bring in the, the processing, the birds for processing and new chicks go out to pasture. So I was on these other farms uh, relatively often, but that's what it was like when we, when I came and then we had a crew of, I believe it was eight or nine that first year of mm-hmm. um, stewards or interns uh, at, the, at that time. And so their, their, I guess, goal, if you will, or, or why they had the summer program was, A, to follow our mission statement by duplicating the prototypes that we have throughout the world. And so as part of an educational process, mm-hmm. but it also was uh, for a workforce, but the new labor does not come cheaply. So yes, it wasn't like a paid position, but we put a lot into them. And so we felt really strongly that it balanced out the educational part, the learning that they got, and then the labor they uh, returned to the farm. And as Joel has often said, you can't Google experience. Mm -hmm. And that is so true when you're learning something like agriculture where you really have to have your hands in it and you're going to make mistakes you're going to mess up here and there so giving someone an opportunity in a field occupation that they have know nothing about but they're able to physically put their hands on it make some mistakes and learn from them has a high value it's kind of to put a number to it but it's it's a really valuable. It, hmm. And so we, we see a lot of just uh, benefit to giving the hands-on experience. And so the summer crew was was that for the farm and provide the extra labor when we were doing all the processing, making the hay. A lot of the tourist side of the farm, just the visitor, public face of the farm really kicked in for the summer. So if events were going on or tours and things like that. It's just nice to have that extra labor around. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's how it was, and so we we did wholesale to restaurants and some retail stores. We were selling through the buying club, which were neighborhood drops that we, we went to every couple of weeks uh, within four hours of the farm. And those, the, the neighborhood drops or the, the buying clubs were over 50% of the business uh, sales-wise hmm. at that time. And hmm. so we were packing orders. Once or twice a week, typically twice a week, we were loading up coolers with uh, meat products, and our delivery driver was on the road usually four days a week, two for restaurants, uh, two for the buying clubs, the neighborhood drops, and I just yeah I remember a lot of lot of packing of orders, lot of lot of meat being moved around, and that that's the polyface I knew when I came here.
0: Yeah, so so you and and these other stewards and apprentices, you were doing everything from moving chickens, moving hogs to packaging meat, processing chickens, everything pretty much sounds like you had a delivery driver, but the whole process, not just, uh, you know, one thing, anything you're, you're doing it all.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. We, we processed all our poultry here on farm, the hogs and beef were done at a USDA inspected processing facility, Mm -hmm. but then the meat was brought back. It was inventoried. And we pack the orders. And so it is cool in in an operation of this size and especially for our summer staff, summer uh, stewards, to be able to do so many things. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not just out every day moving cows um, or they're not always processing poultry. We give uh, we're able to do a a wide variety of experiences and and provide a lot of learning opportunities Mm -hmm. and just hands-on getting it getting it out there yeah. and doing it
0: yeah well we'll probably get more into where we're, where we're at today but uh, I kind of cut you off there in the middle of your year is there any more kind of highlights to your kind of beginning year there as you were figuring it all out for the first time that you want to cover
1: um no I just it was all a new, all new to me mm-hmm. I was just all in I had been around the chainsaw and forestry stuff a decent amount with my business so that was that was fun to have a little bit of a handle on that but to see how the farm was using the forestry skills and husbandry to increase you know the value of woodlots or to open up for pig pastures that was really cool to see it wasn't just chopping down trees just for the sake of chopping down trees it was it had an end goal in mind and then to be able to utilize everything that we took out either chip it for carbon for our winter bedding, saw logs run on the sawmill. Um, then anything between saw logs and your, your treetops, you chop into firewood. So that was, that was really a really cool, cool thing. I love running equipment as well. And so being able to do that on a larger scale was, uh, was an awesome experience. And I gained confidence coming from the Midwest i had to get used to the terrain out here and so that was a a learning opportunity being comfortable with tractors on hills and and whatnot but it was a good 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 time i i wouldn't uh, trade that first year for anything
0: yeah oh that's awesome so at the end of that first year then you, you had talked about an uncle aunt something like that a farm that may become an opportunity what what were you thinking at that point was it still contemplating going out and doing something for yourself or was you pretty confident you wanted to work with with Polyface?
1: As the summer was drawing to a close, I really had kind of become attached to the farm and to the staff and the team here and really wanted to be part of it. Um nothing was moving on the family land side of things and uh Actually, the aunt and uncle are still still out there enjoying their their property. But I really wanted to be part of the operation in some way. And nearing the end of my first summer, I didn't see any openings as far as staff positions. So I wasn't quite sure what was going to work out. There weren't any contract farmer holes to fill and um, anything of that sort but uh daniel salson came to me in august and he was getting to the point where being a young dad himself with three kids and a wife and just the family business growing he's like he came to me and he said i could really use some kind of assistant manager or farm manager and wanted to see if i'd be interested in the opportunity and i just I i couldn't resist you know smiling i'm sure but i was Pretty excited and humbled that that they would uh, offer me the opportunity to stay on in basically a new position. There wouldn't, wasn't anyone doing quite what he was interested in, in doing as far as being his assistant. And so I, of course, said yes. And we got rolling with that. And over the last several years, have kind of refined what that assistant manager or farm manager position look like and took on some specific uh, roles. And as my, my gifting and interest in leadership began to grow and, and show, I really liked the management and organization of the intern uh, summer crews and the apprentice apprentices as they would come through. So that was kind of my focus. Management, leadership, day-to-day planning, also getting to work with animals for sure, but more of a a directive level of showing people how to do it, helping them and assisting them in, in the day-to-day operations.
0: Yeah. So that's something I did want to I wanted to talk about is the managing of farm interns, because I I think it's Gabe Brown's book, Dirt to Soil, where he talks about a lot of the headaches that came along with managing some interns. I think Mm -hmm. you you mentioned Mm -hmm. it earlier, you know, free labor isn't free necessarily or something like that. And so I'm sure there's a lot that goes into bringing in new folks and you I mean, probably now, even with the, the, you know, the fame and the clout that the the soliton name is, is drawn, you probably hit first step is just picking them and then training them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'd be curious to see how yes. that process looks like and why you've chosen to go the route of interns and apprentices as opposed to just paid labor, standard paid labor and, and you know, kind of the high level thinking on the intern
1: program. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I enjoy talking about. And um, I'll I'll start out with the kind of overarching idea of the stewardship program, as we call it now, the summer program, and the apprenticeship program is keeping in line with our mission statement. Part of our mission statement is developing economical and sustainable prototypes and duplicating their use throughout the world. And so, being able to teach people how to do what we do here at polyface is the reason for having the staff situation that we do. Yes. Many people have asked us, why don't you just have um, paid labor or or full-time staff? And in many ways it would be easier. Uh, There's, there's a lot of challenging times and headaches that come from always having new folks come in and, and new hands on the equipment and around the animals. And so I think it goes back to, we want to educate so that there are many polyfaces around the country. Mm -hmm. That it's not just one, Joel's not trying to build a big empire. He wants it duplicated um, in many different, you know, areas of the, of the world and starting with backyards, if that's all you got to start with, you know, going on up. Mm -hmm. So our, application process is very structured and very rigid because we feel that if we set the expectation to where this is we're serious about it this is we want to be professional that we attract people that are serious about their interest in agriculture or at least they're serious about taking their first step and pursuing it and so we have a 10-day period the first 10 days of august where you can send in a letter of intent just hey, I'm interested in your summer stewardship program. We get all of those and we send out a uh, questionnaire with about a dozen questions on it that they fill out and send back. And then we go through those questionnaires and invite about 45 to 50 folks out for a two day working interview. And that working interview we feel is just really, really critical to be able to see people um in person and they have to get here on their own dime but we really roll out the red carpet we pick them up from the airport we drop them off to the airport they uh, room and board they you know mm-hmm. stay on the farm they eat awesome food with us we share conversations and we work together and so through about a two-week period we'll have about you know 40 some people come through and in two-day slots and we get to get a lot of work accomplished meet a lot of new uh new friends and and some cool folks and at the end of those two weeks as a as a team of various people we we pull out the the pick out the team for the following season for next season to come out and uh it can be tough there's a lot of great people interested in agriculture and we, we do the best we can. We look at team dynamics as as far as we can perceive them. And housing, you know, plays into things. We have limited housing for guys and gals. Sure. And then uh, we send out the acceptance letters and and we, we roll from there.
0: And would you say, how much would you say of your selection criteria is based on, you know, passion and, and desire versus actually like skill set? Are you trying to hire the best, you know, potential farm employees or the most potential you know kind of stuff
1: yeah no that's that's an awesome question i would say almost 100 percent of it is about their drive and attitude mm. and passion and we really don't put a lot of stock into their past experiences although it you know it does play in we we can we hear some of their story and get to know backgrounds and certainly it it plays into knowing what they've been through, what challenges they've overcome. But it, there again, it, it just points to their tenacity or their passion. And so we we really pick on, um, we look at this their culture, their um, you know commitment. Um, we want to have a team that fits the community and that we've developed here at the farm. And we want people with conviction. And so conviction about what they desire in agriculture and desire for their future it it plays in a big part there so it's not necessarily their their past experiences although that can be you know helpful to know
0: i like that i i don't know i guess i've heard probably a lot of times they talk about you can always train tasks you you can teach people how to do things but you can't teach character Mm, you can't teach responsibility and so that makes a lot of sense and and, and why you choose for them but um so you get them the fall prior they come out the following sp- this like spring for for a summer season what's that that you know what how do you there's a ton of things going on how do you divvy yeah. up roles how do you train them and, and talk about that that's yeah. probably a pretty crazy hectic few weeks <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cra- crazy is a crazy is a good word for it <laughs> at least to start with <laughs> yeah. it can be uh oh just just think about you know, trying to jump on a moving train, <laughs> it can um, it can be a fun ride. We get all the folks out come come May first, and we're one of the things we've learned. Jared is to be very very clear about expectations. Um, we've we've really refined the program a lot in the last three or four years um, from mistakes that we've made and mm-hmm. and just things we've kind of overlooked. And one of those things, um, one of those facets to the program that I think, especially as it had grown, you know, you start some enterprise or some business and there's adjustments you need to make as it grows. And often they can sneak up on you and you don't even realize, Oh, what worked two years ago, is just not working now, but not until you get into a certain situation, do you realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, what what worked two years ago is not going to work for me. And so, we realized we had not been clear enough in the you know verbal you know expectations or what we had written online or even just in our, um, dialogue with the team before they came throughout the winter and and so we really pushed ourselves a couple winters ago to write out clear mission statement for the stewardship program you know what mm-hmm. are we what are we wanting this program to look like? What's our desire for it? We created this uh, mission statement for the stewards. You know, as a steward, I am, and it went on to a couple of different um, um, thoughts and and outline for just so they can understand as a steward, as a as a part of the team, this is what we're expecting. Mm-hmm. And so, I I would say to anyone leading any size of crew, and and you see it with. You, even within family relationships, having clear expectations, spoken expectations, and it, written is even better. Just clears up some of the muddy, you know, gray water that so many people get tripped up and, and bogged down in. So when the new crew comes in, we really spell out that that first couple of days, week or two, is just a lot of, you know, initiation type stuff and just. Getting the ropes, you know, learning the ropes, and learning where the hammer is, and learning where the shovels are, and mm-hmm. you know, figuring out where people's skill levels are, skill levels are on the equipment, you know, ATVs and tractors and pickup trucks, and we'll go in and basically test everyone on those um, different different things. Not that we're trying to have them fail or anything. We just want to know where they're at, and we yeah. clearly articulate that we're. We view them as everyone on the same level, everyone coming with the same level of experience on especially equipment and around animals. So everyone's on the same playing field. And as we develop the relationship and we can learn the skill level as it continues to grow. And the first week or two, we say you're going to be doing a lot of following and watching. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not, don't, you've, you've earned your spot here at the farm. Don't feel like you got to outdo the next person uh, or your fellow steward. You're here and just enjoy the learning experience. And so, we had to be comfortable as a staff. Um, you know, being a, a size of farm that we're we're very driven and focused on the mission and what we're accomplishing. So yeah. we can we can really crank out work when we when we need to crank it out. So it's an adjustment for us to have ten new people jumping on board. And so we had to give ourselves grace and, and just understand that there's good people, people be people standing around and watching what we're doing, but watching is learning those first, Mm -hmm. um, you know, week or two. Mm -hmm. Certainly they're working, but there are times when we take two or three stewards to go do a project when it really only takes a leader and one other person, Mm -hmm. but we're just trying to do exposure Mm -hmm. as much as we can trying to, give as much uh, context for what's going on as we Mm -hmm. can. Another critical part of training up the new team and bringing them on board is a Monday morning meeting that we have each week. And we'll have uh, an earlier like leadership only meeting, just a little bit more vision planning. And then we bring in the stewards for basically discussing the week and the first week they're here they may not understand really any of it as we talk about rental farms and timelines Mm and herds that need to move around or processing dates and all that but we want to get them involved as as quickly as we can to what the flow of the week is going to look like what um, important days are coming up maybe it's like a, a tour related or it's a processing deadline or it's you know the weather is turning good or we're starting to make hay whatever it is that monday morning meeting is really really critical for just getting everyone on the same page and creating again a clear vision we need a vision every week just like we're trying to you know lay out for them for their summer mm-hmm. and it's really it's really neat to have them part of that to get them acclimated to what's going on even though It'll take a little bit. It's a little bit over their heads, you know, at first, but as they get to know the property, the farms, the layout, they buy into it as their own and yeah. then are able to give feedback even as the as the summer goes on.
0: Really? Wow. I how how many in or stewards are there at, at this time then?
1: Um this summer we had ten. Okay. And so anywhere we've had we've had eight to eleven. Okay. Typically.
0: So I guess my kind of question with that is like, in my head, I'm thinking you have 10 stewards because you need 10 stewards worth of labor. And they come in and now not only do you have 10 people worth of labor, but you're also pulling your labor base, the apprentices, and you yourself away from the work that needs to be done to teach them, kind of a stuff. I mean, do you start slow in the season with less, less, you bring them on before, you know, the chickens all come, or how are you, <laughs> I, like, sure, how are you <laughs> figuring that out? Cause I'm, I'm imagining overwhelmingness, you know? Yeah.
1: Pretty, <laughs> yeah. It, um, it's cool. We know that the start time is, um, intentional mm-hmm. and it is, um, critical to balancing out the influx of labor in relation to the influx of field work, especially. Mm-hmm. So May 1st, coming May 1st, like that week typically is our first uh, processing of our broilers or our meat birds. Okay. And so, or, or the week after it's, it's really close. So we haven't done a lot of processing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: up till that point, um, the apprentices and another staff person or two and myself have been able to keep everything rolling. And so it's, it's a critical time. We used to start June 1st, um, this yeah. kind of an interesting backstory. We would start June 1st because we were trying to accommodate people graduating from school sure, and, and graduations and all that stuff. And a couple of years back, it's, it's been several now. We just, we were swamped. I mean, by the time June 1st came around, it yeah. just felt like we were barely treading water. Mm-hmm. And another thing that we saw every single year, you get this uh, group of folks that some of them are used to the physical outdoor work. Some of them are coming from an office job all, all over the board, background-wise. You throw them into 10-hour days and 80-degree heat and mm-hmm. maybe toss some bales on a trailer. Mm-hmm. And we just have people really struggle physically with it. And so moving it back even though it changes uh sometimes for the end of school and people graduating wanting to get out, um we just really enjoyed a slower pace start starting May 1st and people were able to get their feet under them before the the heat really cranked up. I mean the last couple of springs it's been really really late. Like we don't have yeah. hardly leaves on the trees in May. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably you saw us on the ground almost up there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, in some years. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh we we really enjoyed the, the benefits we saw coming from starting earlier and we still had you know same amount or, or more applicants. So people okay. were just if they're serious about it, they they made it happen. Sure. If they were in school or whatever. Yeah. And so it did happen gradually. It okay. it was a better uh um, setup for us in that yeah. way.
0: Uh. That makes sense. I mean, we've never done an intern program, but uh, since I've been home to farm, we've had two, they're called MAST students in Minnesota, Ag Student Trainee Program or something. They're international students that come to the farm. And I think sure. about, they, they usually come about that same time in May, which is when we got calving, we got planting, we're trying to haul manure or whatever we have from winter. We're, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're crazy busy. And to try and figure out how to appropriately, like, to, I mean, and especially with your stewards who are maybe coming in as you know, to be educated, like you talked about it. I I don't know what, you know, if there's compensation or whatever, they're coming in to be educated. And you, if you can't, I, I, we've felt and I, I guess I felt like I don't know if we're doing a, a good job of really training them and teaching them in the way that they should be because they're getting thrown in in the busyness. So it makes sense that you can you can do it a better job for them and for yourselves. I mean, so that when the busy season comes, that you actually you have better trained employees, you know, and better mm-hmm. trained stewards to to bring them in early. That that sure. makes a yeah. tremendous, you know, that makes a huge difference, I'm sure.
1: Yes, it, it did. We, the first year we did it, we really saw just. How nice it was. It was mm-hmm. easier on us. Yeah. We could take more time. And so we have um Thursday mornings because of what's going on at the farm, we usually have a time where we call shop talk. Mm-hmm. And it's each week we kind of work on a progression of just uh training. And we like to, you know, we start out with simple stuff like where everything is in the shop. And then you start talking about how to use it properly, you know, just hand power tools and trimmers and you know where the mixed gas is and where the max mixed gas should not be and um, sure. all of that stuff so every Thursday morning it's either kind of educational training or those are often days where we we do a couple of little like half day field trips to other operations or mm-hmm. other folks that are part of our team our our feed mill uh a a uh, collaboration we have with a dairy um, and and things of that nature. So our Mm -hmm. our investing in your team, I feel is really critical Mm -hmm. to keeping them engaged, showing a commitment on your part Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and safety and efficiency on our part. You know, we, how to hook up loose neck trailers and uh, work, you know, work cattle, all those all those different things mm-hmm. um sometimes they get to play around with like just introductory stuff but it's fun to learn how to run a welder and do a little bit of stick welding mm-hmm. or knot tying you know one of our guys loves just ropes and knots so he'll do a 45 minute session on just some basic knots and how to do them and huh. things like that so it's, it's really cool yeah. just chill time to hang around in the shop and and do something learn something new
0: that is cool oh, that's that's really cool. I like it. Um, so when you're, you talked about your kind of those first few weeks, kind of sensing out where people are at, what different skill levels, what interests do you adjust training or their summer? Do you adjust roles and responsibilities based on that? Or do you try to give everybody a pretty broad education of every role on the farm, every animal species, everything, you know, or, or do you kind of divide, you know, and, and everybody gets a specialization for the summer?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, one of our one of our mottos is kind of uh, under promise, over deliver, okay. and so we do. the The summer crew knows that they're really going to get into a lot of poultry work, but we plan on them getting a lot of exposure to every other aspect of the operation, mm-hmm. um, and everything from inventorying meat to working cattle to hauling hay. And, uh, so I think one of the, th- the, the two, uh, ways and, and tools that we've used to do that is we have, after the first week of just acclimating to the surroundings and what's going on, we start, uh, start a tour, uh, schedule, a morning tour schedule. And so we've figured that out and worked out where you're on a certain enterprise for that week. And it gets, it gives us continuity. It gives us, um, excuse me, accountability. If we go out and check on an enterprise, one of us leadership and we see something needs to be adjusted or corrected, we know who to, to mm-hmm. go to, or we can track them down. We know who did it that day. Sure. And so that's really awesome. So every week they rotate. So one week they're pulling the broiler shelters for a week and, and feeding water in the birds and, they keep their same row. We have typically uh, four rows of of 10 shelters each. So we have four of the stewards on that for the week. And it's just nice to know, you know, Hey, Tim, we're going to be, you know, pulling your birds for processing tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. this morning don't feed them as much as you normally would. We we like them to be out of feed uh, 24 hours before Mm -hmm. processing. So it's just nice to have that. Uh, connection and that consistency and we'll we continue that tour schedule all the way through the season and um it's really really helped a lot with getting giving everyone rotated so you get on all the enterprises and some of the uh chore slots also have like extra stuff tacked on to them and it's just our way of of giving everyone um, equal time on the different enterprises so one person might be on pigs for the week so he's doing a lot of pig work but he's also got on thursdays say he's the one that helps with some inventory of the meat we just tack that inventory job on for the pig person because it just works out with our schedule the they all get to go on one of our delivery runs. And so we pick a chore slot that just fits with that well. And so like we can easily cover for them because they they usually leave early in the morning. So that week, whoever's going on the Friday run, we just know we had to cover th- for them, but it means everyone gets to go on that run. And so we cycle through, you know, eight, 10 weeks, everyone's gone on a run. So we 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 put a lot of things on that chore chart, which um, some don't get, Done or don't happen every single morning, but at least it gives it a place on the calendar, if you will. And so we make sure we don't miss it. The other thing we developed a couple years ago that was really um, cool um, after going through a season and having one of our summer staff move on to a contractor position, um, his first spring on the farm, we found out he never had prepped the brooder during his summer. Uh, stewardship time and we are like how in the world did we miss that like we do it eight times throughout the season usually like four or five people working on it but somehow he hadn't gotten that experience and so we developed basically a checklist Mm -hmm. that they are responsible to keep and we put the appropriate number of boxes for what we feel is like the right amount of um times that they'll be doing a certain um project mm-hmm. or enterprise so you know sorting cattle in the corral with daniel um we don't promise a lot of cattle work they they do get it but we don't we don't promise that so sorting mm-hmm. corral and, you know sorting cattle i think we have it on maybe just once just to make sure they've done it once or it might, sure. might be twice yeah um you know killing chickens we have everyone has to do it at least two or three times throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Um as you get into your your processing routine and everyone learns all the stations, um mm-hmm. people fall to you know what their skill level is at and what they enjoy and so just making sure everyone does a certain inter- a certain you know job specific job at least you know two or three times is critical. So w- we uh quality control as far as the processing goes, quality control you're getting you know get on that a lot yeah and so we'll have maybe eight slots but you'll probably do it a lot more than that it just mm-hmm. just a way to track their learning that actually and so we,
0: that yeah. is really cool idea i really like that i'm even thinking on our farm like if we were to bring in you know another foreign exchange student how simple of a thing that is and just to mm-hmm. make sure they get to experience everything that would so easily be just you something you would do yourself you know why would i ever have them do it when i could just do it myself but if they were to go off and run a farm they're totally going to need to know how to do it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's critical to, to give them the ownership of keeping track of it. Like Mm -hmm. you're not like, okay, who did cattle with me last time? Or who has done this? It's like, it's their responsibility. And once or twice throughout the season, we say, okay, bring your check sheets down to dinner. We're going to just go over and make sure we're on, on par for how we're doing in the season and making sure everyone's gotten their opportunities And so that's that's helpful. We'll do that a couple mm-hmm. of times, but for the most part, they're keeping track of it. And... and are they
0: then responsible to say, hey, Daniel, I haven't worked cattle with you. Can I do that? Or will Daniel correct. be really okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah like correct. That. So they're I mean, we'll you know, we're sorting cattle tomorrow morning. Daniel say, Hey, does anyone else, you know, does anyone need to sort cattle? Mm-hmm. And every you know we can mentally keep track of it somewhat, but it's, it's yeah. so nice when it's on paper. <laughs> yeah, for sure. and then it's so nice when you're not keeping track of it; you're it's someone else's responsibility. So, yeah, yeah they just raise their hand if they need to do something.
0: Mm. I, I I really yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that one. That's a good yeah, applicable in any situation. Staff, you know, whatever the staff looks like, employee mm-hmm. or intern, apprentice, yeah. whatever. In a yeah. in a
1: situation where you're wanting the exposure, yeah, you know, that that's. Yeah. It drives with our, our, what we're desiring for the summer crew is mm-hmm. exposure and, uh, at least not, um, proficiency, but able to, to have a handle on how to do specific things or at least have been around specific situations.
0: Yeah. Cool. Oh, well, I like that. Yeah. Was there anything on that intern program, I guess that we haven't talked about that you want to share? I'm sure there's a bunch.
1: <laughs> yeah. With a crew this size, there's there's uh there's bumps in the road, mm-hmm. and we've we've had our share of interesting situations and and uh, you know rough times to get through. I think what has helped us when you know say you have a steward that's just not working out well um, or not being a team player, you know mm-hmm. that's that's critical for us um, mm-hmm. when their attitude starts pulling down the rest of the team you know it's it it's time to do something to deal with it Mm -hmm. and we're not going to just let that fester the longer it stays around the worse things get and so we've learned to catch things early Uh, we we try not to you know these are all adults that are coming to the farm and we treat them as adults but we say when your attitude or actions are affecting the the team morale or the the work situation then we may need to step in unless they can work something out you know if it's a team member to team member steward to steward mm-hmm. we encourage them to work it out amongst themselves and if they need to um, go on if they need to have help then we have kind of a chain of command and so we we have stewards as all equal and then we have our apprentices and then we have some of our, uh, non Salatin staff people, and then we have the Salatin family, and that's the chain of command. And any problem or issue, complaint, it doesn't go. It doesn't go horizontally. Horizontally, it goes you know vertically. If you got an issue, and you can't find resolution by just talking with the other party, then it needs to go up, and that is super super critical when you've got a team uh, like we work with where things can go sideways in a hurry, you know, someone said this, they said that it can be a mess. But one of the, one of the keys we've found to keeping, honestly, just respecting relationships, respecting people is if you need help, you need to go to the next level up. If you're not able to figure out um, a solution on your own and that's, that is really just been an awesome way to, you know. There's going to be little issues. You you get eight, ten people living together, working together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, g- gals have their separate cabin, and the guys have a have a living quarters. But it just we're together all the time.
0: Yeah, you have. uh more than 350 square feet for five of uh, five yes. at this point, right? Yes. No, okay. we
1: we're we're very fortunate to have a nice setup for, cool. for both uh, parties. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Full, yeah. full kitchens and, okay. and and bathrooms and everything like that. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of what are we, what we're able to offer uh, yeah. to the team. Um, But they, they work hard mm. and they put out a lot. So we're able, we're, we're grateful to able to grateful yeah. that we are able to um, provide that for them.
0: Good.
1: But uh, yeah, yeah, working out disagreements, so basically just working out the chain of command is critical,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. Um, you know just clear communication. Like I've said multiple times, mm-hmm. clear expectations uh, for their conduct with us, their conduct with um, tourists on the farm. You know, people that come to visit, mm-hmm. um, our conduct with them you know, and respecting their, your privacy and, you know, you know, just multiple different levels. It's, we spend a whole day, basically orientation talking about, you know, a lot of protocols, a lot of intro stuff. We spend a good half, half a day, three quarters of a day going over things. Mm -hmm. And I think it it pays off in the end. It's, It's a lot of work up front, but it really does pay off in the end.
0: Yeah. Have you then gone on to see a lot of these stewards go on to start farms of their own or do this? Or I guess, what would you say is is kind of a a trend when people go out from polyphase?
1: We see the whole gamut. Um, I feel like a lot of our stewardship program, people that come through the stewardship are less, um, they're still figuring out what they want in agriculture. I mean, some of them Some of them, some of the folks have been waiting to come here since they were like 14 years old. So they're passionate; (laughs) is what they want to do. It just—it's a wide uh, variation of you know next chapters that that folks have. Some people just want to get the experience to be a more educated um, consumer, and they just want to support local farms. And um, we've we've had everyone from. Hollywood movie editors come through to, you know, children's librarians to like semi-professional figure skaters. And, you know, they haven't gone on to run their own farms, but they've just appreciated the education on food and how it's grown and have a better respect for it. We feel uh, there's more of a draw or more of a tendency for our apprentices to go on and be involved in agriculture more full-time Mm-hmm. um then the stewardship program Um, uh, either running a contract for a uh, farm for polyface or going back to family land or just going out and starting their own thing with some lease property or a relationship mm-hmm. that they developed um with someone we also have folk, some folks go on to just another experience um either they want more cattle experience so they go you know uh, we've had a couple of folks go to Greg Judy and and work out with him for a year, or out west to uh, Alder Spring Ranch, mm-hmm. and that's a that's been a cool experience to see folks go out there. So sometimes it's just kind of a launching pad. This is their first intro to agriculture, and then they want to learn more or learn something more specific. Yeah, and they move on to a a, a learning educational experience like that before starting their own thing. So i would say out of our apprentices i would say over 50 60 percent are full-time in agriculture Mm -hmm. um the folks coming through the stewardship program it's probably more like you know 40 50 percent maybe even low as 50 as 30 sometimes Mm -hmm. like stay in full-time agriculture um beyond the stewardship program
0: oh that's still pretty good uh percent i guess to uh, to stay in the industry that's pretty awesome
1: yeah it's it's really cool to see him
0: yeah really cool and I, and i had to chuckle earlier when you were talking about the things that they get out of the uh experience i i think i probably know four people who have gone through the Salatin program, and every one of them right. are married to somebody else that they met there. So that's another benefit. <laughs> it seems like that seems to come yeah. out of the uh, program. <laughs> I don't know if that's a hundred. That might be a higher ratio of people than than go on to be in agriculture. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is that is a, a fun uh, subject of of humor and uh, and and joking around here sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens. You get like minded people together. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm one of the blessed people in that guilty party. I (laughs) met my wife here.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, She was part of the first summer crew that I work with. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, we got married in 2013.
0: No, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. Well, like you say, when you get christians and agriculture who are you know people who are you know good good christ-based organization i imagine almost everybody coming through the is a a christian and has that focus on faith in god which is cool and then you combine that with a passion for agriculture that's a relatively small group so you get them together and that's a good yeah good people to be around it
1: yeah many many of the folks coming through have a, a, a faith background but not all you know have um a similar faith to like the sowson family but we, i i really think that's cool i mean mm-hmm. we we love just getting folks from all different kind of backgrounds as yeah. long as they're committed to learning as long as they're committed to being part of a team for a season sure it's it's so fun to learn from folks that you know have been around the block on different circles mm-hmm. and so it, it's um I just want yeah. to say it's not a prerequisite by yeah. any means oh, yeah. to, to be a person of faith or anything like that, but it's, it's yeah. fun to learn from each other and to have that eclectic background on the farm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's cool, but yeah, yeah. It's, you just get people with the same passion and, yeah. and things happen.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, I, we're already over an hour and I know you're an hour ahead of me out there too. So I want to respect your time tonight. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that, that you, think would be really important to share here before I, I ask my kind of quick rapid to wrap up questions. So,
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, trying to think, I guess I didn't, I didn't uh, talk about what the farm is like right now, oh, like sure. current state, you know, what our operation looks like. I could go into that just a little bit real quick if yeah. you wanted to.
0: That'd be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so 10, 12 years now after being here at the farm, I've seen a lot of changes and we have added um, several rental properties. Um, We've lost a couple. We've moved off of two or three that in my time here, but we've gained several more. It's amazing how people in the last two or three years, especially with COVID and, and stuff going on and people realizing how important their food is well the connection to food is we've had folks moving out from other states buying property almost as just a security thing Mm. but they've known of polyface (laughs) and they want us to run it wow so we've had three or four farms now in the last two years bought by people coming from california texas you know florida Mm. and they they don't want to run it themselves but it's kind of a hedge or an investment, and they sure. ask, they come to uh, Joel and want Polyface to operate it, which is is pretty wild. So we've yeah. we've been basically given, you know, we work out a, a lease agreement, a rent agreement, but these properties come to us, and it's it's pretty cool to be able to get um, that kind of situation where we can put a lot of just nuke it with love, as as someone has said, just put the time and energy into fencing and waterline and, you know, even compost, like fertilizing with compost in situations where we can do that and, um, affect more land with proper grazing, proper management. And so we've, we've gotten a lot of, uh, rental farms. We've also la- added more team members as the business has grown. We have a full-time mechanic and kind of a maintenance guy. We've added a delivery driver 2 We've also, we've kind of split up some of our deliveries so that no one's on the road, like 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So it's split up between two or three people. Now uh, the, the biggest change we've had two years ago, we started shipping um, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the lower 48. And that was a big uh, mindset adjustment, a big paradigm shift because for years, Joel had really focused on local food and, and, you know, like Michael Pollan, Omnivore's Dilemma. You know, the reason that we got in that book was because he told Michael that we weren't going to ship our food up to, you know, wherever he was living. So he had to come check it out. Mm -hmm. And as our culture and the world has have changed, we came to the point of realizing that local, because of the internet and shipping and everything like that, the local was beyond our four hour range. And if people wanted our food up in, New York City, and they couldn't find another farmer, well, we want to try to supply that niche. Um, we don't want to take, take you know, we don't want to compete with other farms, but if there's people out there that just are struggling to, to find good quality food and we have it, we want to supply that. So we started shipping uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. and that's been an explosion of uh, new opportunity, new sales, and really just opened up the doors for many different, uh, even collaborations, with folks mm-hmm. that have a influence and in like a platform online or doctors, health coaches, people like that, that have kind of promoted the, the, our product. And we've collaborated with a couple of folks like that, where they get um, a shout out. Basically they, they pitch it to their customers, their clients sure. and, we, we get to ship them boxes of, of meat and that's really, really been a cool, mm. cool uh, side of the business that's, that's grown very quickly in the last two years. So that's kind of where we're at now. We're still doing restaurant and retail deliveries and our, mm-hmm. our neighborhood uh, deliveries, but the shipping has really taken off and mm-hmm. is something we see a lot of potential in.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Up to date right now.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And that, it already has questions that I know I could talk to you for another two hours. So I won't even get down that path for now, but I, I, yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, cool. I have two questions. I, I want to ask you here. The first one is simply if people want to reach out or learn more about you or, 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 the farm, where would you direct people to?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, best place to go is, uh, polyfacefarms.com. That's our main website. And, you can book tours there you can check on our scheduled events for the season Mm -hmm. we have a 24 7 365 open door policy Mm -hmm. people are welcome to come to the farm anytime um, and look around walk around we have store hours that are posted online where we have someone in our on farm store but other than that um you know they're welcome just to come and check things out Mm -hmm. um the shipping i'll put a plug in for our shipping it's uh polyface yum.com mm-hmm. you go to there and you can order our product and have it shipped to your doorstep and cool. so if folks want to check that out um we'll be happy to get the brown box headed their way
0: awesome yeah and and then the last question is is uh what's one, two, or three resources that you think are important? Books, events, podcasts, webinars, you know, whatever resources that have been important to you in life and farming and agriculture that you'd recommend people uh, check out.
1: Mm. That's a good, good question.
0: Didn't prep you for it. So I apologize (laughs) for that.
1: No, that's, that's great. Um, I, I do have a passion in leadership and uh mentoring and i i think one of the one of the things that's been really cool the last couple years we've done a book study with our apprentices during the winter time and the book that we've gone through the last two or three years has just helped with our dynamics on the farm um it's a book called extreme ownership um It's written by two former Navy SEALs and it just really helps with applying the battleship or the, the battlefield lessons. They apply battlefield lessons and things that they learned to business and life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we see so many correlations with the farming. Um, The, there's always ever-changing circumstances. There's always changing um, situations, like in a battlefield situation. And so we got to adjust. We've got to communicate. We've got to stick together as a team um, and many other reasons. But the Extreme Ownership is a book that's been a really cool thing for us as a leadership team here at the farm and to help lead the new stewards and apprentices that come through um so that's one one book i would i would highly rate, recommend people looking at yeah and uh stockman grass farmer mm-hmm. has been a an awesome publication joel's of course the the editor now but they've got some just great issues and great articles um i have to force myself to read mm-hmm. uh, i love reading it just getting the time uh, cut out to do it. I need to do a little better at it, but there's, there's so much information in there and it's coming from the, the viewpoint of direct marketing. And well, I think you, you're familiar with it, but it's uh, a, it's a, it's a really cool read and so much diverse information coming Mm -hmm. out of there. has has been something fun for me to enjoy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. Those two come to mind off the top of my head
0: yeah no those are great stockman grass farmer is is a good one and i like keeping tallies on some of the the more popular ones that one's right up there along with a lot of joel's books but extreme ownership is one that has not been said yet so that's that's awesome i I always love doing this because you never know what resource you'll have never heard before that's that's one i'll have to check out myself so that's great um but thank you so much I, i really appreciate it i i think that was a an awesome you know there's so many different paths we could have gone down but the intern thing is is a, a you know <laughs> yeah. i think just there's a you know, shotgun effect right <laughs> yeah yeah that's right no that was great but i really appreciate it and i'll let you uh get to bed i know it's getting probably pretty late out there but i, I really i really appreciate it thanks eric
1: hey well thank you jared for having me on and look forward to more conversations down the road this was this is awesome
0: the Herd Quitter Podcast is brought to you by Farrow Cattle Company. whose mission is to help ranchers put more fun and profit into their business. You can get more information on Farrow Cattle Company at farrowcattle.com. And if you enjoy what you've heard on this podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Herd Quitter Podcast or at herdquitterpodcast.com.